0: are locked on Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast, part of the locked on podcast network, your team every day. What up Bengals fans and welcome to another episode of the locked on Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisco. He's your host, James Rapine. If you're watching on YouTube, And we're the first thing you're watching today, which I assume we are. Make sure you hit the subscribe button. Hit that thumbs up if you like what we're doing here on the Locked On Bengals podcast. If you're listening in your car or your phone, you got some headphones in, listening through any of those podcast apps, click the follow button. Easiest way to get us on your device on a daily basis. James, we've got some injury updates today as your extended dance goes on. And then we're joined by PFF Seth, Seth Galina, who recently wrote about the... The things that are missing from the Bengals offense, I talked to him a Points. little bit about what he wrote uh, <laughs> and and what some of his ideas are for the Bengals to improve things, and then James yeah. later on, we'll talk with Matt Derry from Locked on Lions, and we'll get a our first look ahead. We haven't talked about this Lions game really at all yet we're we're gonna start doing that today, but let's start with the injury news, which is uh. James Rapine and Mike Petralia narrowly avoided injury when trying to rush to get their microphones on the microphone cart, which has been cleaned up and put front and center by Bengal social media. Oh, man. Hey, I was about to take Mike out. Look, I'm on the built bar plan. Mike, I don't
1: think Mike's on it yet. Judging, you know, we'll see. We'll get him on it. But when you eat these, uh, you you know, these built bars, you better watch out, Mike. I'm coming for you. So, uh, no, I, I agree. I I love that the Bengals leaned into the cart and, uh, yeah, maybe that that's some good, uh, good juju for Sunday's game against the Lions.
0: We got some some real injury updates as well, and hopefully that good juju carries over to these injury updates. Deontay Smith is a big concern for me here, but let's talk about the positive notes first. One, Joe Mixon limited today. That's expected. Zach Taylor said that he's on track. He's expecting him to be ready to go for Sunday. That's great, uh, especially with Samaje Pirine on the COVID list, along with Jackson Carmen. Both of those guys, I mean, flip a coin that, Roll roll a dice. Hope you hit a one. Like, what are the chances they're back? You, you can't predict it. Probably pretty low. And so that's the good news. Also good news, I guess, Joe Burrow, just on voice management. Voice rest, uh, but no sort of football rest. He was a full participant in practice. He just didn't talk to the media today, which is too bad in some ways. But sounds like nothing serious there. So overall, mostly good news. And, and the one thing, again, to me, which is concerning, Deontay Smith didn't practice. Or was limited, sorry, was limited at practice with a knee injury. This is new. I hope it didn't occur during practice because if they've lost him, God forbid, there is literally no one left to play guard. With Xavier Suofilo and Jackson Carmen, also unavailable. This, this will be a practice squad call up or moving Trey Smith from backing up center Trey Hopkins, who also didn't participate in practice on Wednesday to to guard for a game sorry trey hill my bad not trey smith that that would be a wish, wouldn't it yeah
1: you wish uh or fred johnson you know i I think that that would be one but yeah you're right and zach talked on uh on wednesday and he was like yeah we'll, we'll see what deontay has you know he's gotten a lot of reps at right guard since becoming a backup since preseason ended and you know the roster had been set and didn't mention a knee injury. So hopefully it's just something where ah, his knee's a little sore. We're going to leave him out some uh, of you know one thing where he's limited and he was almost a full participant. And we'll uh, hopefully get more uh, information on Thursday.
0: That's right. And we'll hope that this trends in the right direction for Deontay Smith, who very likely will be starting for the Bengals at right guard this week. As again, Jackson Carmen likely to be unavailable on the COVID list. The other guy that was limited in practice today was Quentin Spain not injury-related according to the practice report, just a personal reason, so hopefully nothing too serious there. Hopefully he's back with the team on Thursday as well. Mike Thomas also limited with an ankle injury. And that is your injury rundown. Coming up next, I spend 15 minutes, maybe a little bit more, with PFF Seth. Seth Galena, we're talking about what the Bengals can do to work on this offense. That's coming up next
1: rockauto.com is the place to go for all of your car parts look winter is coming and i'm not talking about game of thrones and you know what you don't want to be stuck on the side of the road and have to deal with insert whatever problem that you're putting off right now the regular maintenance the routine maintenance is important and it's something you can probably do on your own in You can do it with rockauto.com and you can do it for less with rockauto.com. Don't spend 30, 50, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or a dealership when you can save on something as small as a cabin air filter or something as serious as a fuel pump, timing chain, anything like that. So check them out right now, rockauto.com. See all the parts available for your car or truck. Be sure to write locked on in there. How did you hear about us, Box? So they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need.
0: We're now joined by Seth Galina at PFF, Seth on Twitter, senior football analyst for Pro Football Focus, coached quarterbacks for a long time in Canada, coached linebackers as well, has a lot of experience, obviously, around football, and every time Seth has written something about the Bengals, it's the first thing I read in the morning, and that was the case on Tuesday when I read his criticism of the Zach Taylor offense in Cincinnati, calling it a table of contents of Sean McVay's offense, which is, as I said yesterday on yesterday's show, a a sick burn. Seth, welcome to the Lockdown Bengals podcast. How are you doing today?
2: I'm doing great. Uh, that took me that tweet about Zach Taylor's offense, the, just the table of contents version of the McVay offense. I stared at my, I knew I had to make a joke like that, and I was just staring at my phone for an hour, and that's the best I could come up with. So that's what you're getting into having me on the podcast right now.
0: Well, you know, I thought it was a pretty well executed joke. And, you know, I, I just think back to Sunday when Mike Renner was at Paul Brown Stadium and several Miller lights in, he he was managing some good tweets. So you guys, you guys got your Twitter fingers together over there at PFF. Uh, we talked yesterday on our film review episode a lot about some of the criticisms you've had about the Bengals offense are not running the easy stuff off a of wide zone. They're not using jet motion under center. The empty stuff is, you know, you're seeing the two high safeties play flat footed at like eight yards off the line of scrimmage, breaking downhill on everything because the offensive line can't necessarily hold up for, for shot plays out of empty. So those are kind of the topics of conversation here to frame it, but I want to try to be solution oriented, at least here at first and talk about if you were coaching and you've got a lot of coaching experience here, what are the realistic short-term goals that Zach Taylor and his offensive staff could do if they were to implement some changes that you think could help in the short term?
2: Well, so like I wrote in the article, one of the things that they, that they did start to implement this offseason and we're seeing it this year is just the switch from more of a downhill inside zone rushing attack to being able to go under center, which they, they do rarely do, and then run outside zone. Uh told me that they decided they were going to do this year, and then you know what I wrote in the article was the issue is well, yes, okay, it, you, it's not the end. It's it's good that you're going on a center and running uh, a wide zone because you know to a certain degree you don't know which direction the play is going because the running back is behind the uh, quarterback. However, the issue is I think is that you're not disguising it with anything. So you're going on a center, and this is what you're doing. And, you know, the run pass rates are not very good. So you're not even running that much play action off of it. You're just getting under center and you're running the football and you're mostly running outside zone with it. So I think it's a pretty easy fix to say, hey, we can just like the the easiest things to install are always going to be the eye candy, the disguise, the misdirection stuff. Whether it's orbit motion, you know, you see the the Seahawks run a lot of orbit motion, whether it's jet motion, like, you know, you talked about the Rams. Anything like that is going to get you to a player. I think you could do damage, even though you know maybe the players on the offensive line aren't great. Obviously, the running back's pretty good. You know, Joe Mixon's obviously a good running back. P. Ryan's our running back. So I think you can do damage if you just added something to um, to those type of plays. Like just getting to even you know motioning a receiver across the formation more. Um, I think p- more pre stuff in terms of I guess, motion at the snap would be, I think all that stuff is honestly, all that stuff should be, you should be able to implement it. If you're an NFL team, like, I'm sorry, like if you are an NFL team, you should be able to implement it and you shouldn't have to kind of baby your offensive lines, uh, you know, kind of hold the offensive line's hands when, Oh yeah, we're going to motion at the snap. Well, yeah, in front of you is going to change like defensively, but you know, you're an NFL lineman you're in a group of nfl offensive linemen, like you can make these decisions on the fly so i i think they should be able to get into that stuff i don't think that would be this seems to be more of a choice than anything is what i'm saying
0: yeah that's interesting because to your point they do the pre-snap the at the snap motion out of shotgun fairly regularly and it's just as you point out not happening under center so much so uh, the other thing that was interesting that you mentioned is the the play action game off of wide zone. They did some of it. They had I think eight or nine play action plays specifically against Green Bay. Obviously not all of those from under center, but Joe Burrow has not performed particularly well off of play action when you look at PFF grading. When you look at the you know basic stats, if you will, as well. Is this something that you know they're they're not keeping enough of those? you know, throwback screens is something that we discussed yesterday, like the easy concepts, leak concepts, those sorts of things that could be more dangerous off of wide zone. If you're going to be running that under center
2: uh, for sure, a hundred percent. My thing is, and I don't know if there's, you can really find a lot of data right now to back this up. I just don't think that, especially they down the field concepts. I just wonder if people are, are being able, uh, if the the play calls are opening up receivers down the field. That's something that I noticed last year, because I'm like, you know, I, I think Burrow understands how to read out a play action concept whether you get a post and a crosser and everything like that. I just like, are is there people are there people open down the field? I think the you know, the, the funny thing about this receiving core is you look at the individual pieces, you know, adding Jamar Chase's offseason and it's like, oh that's a that's a hell of a receiving core. <laughs> Where's the John Ross? You know what I mean? Like, where is this guy who's taking the top off the defense if you're going to play with T and Jamar and Tyler as your 11P group? Like, you know, you kind of need this this guy who's going to take the top off the defense and open up some stuff underneath, and they don't really have that guy. So what you end up with is a play-action game or just a passing game in general that when they want to go deep, it's just one-on-one rest down the sideline. And now the nice thing is that when they did this last year, they couldn't hit. I mean, there was it was horrible, right? They just couldn't. Whether whether it was burrow, whether it was receiver, whatever it was, couldn't do anything. At least this year, you're seeing what it, what drafting Jamar Chase does for your offense and being able to just, hey, we're gonna throw you in a one-on-one ball, whether it's back shoulder or over the shoulder, and he's gonna make a play because he's unbelievable. But hope the offense can get people open down. The field, and that for me is a big problem, and that and that's why they can't create any explosive plays for the two years. Yeah, that's a that's a fair criticism. When I went back
0: and watched Green Bay, there's a play they the the interception that Joe Burrow forces down the sideline to Auden Tate, Adrian Amos undercuts it, it's a little underthrown, it's left a little bit too far off the sideline. If Kenny Clark doesn't just totally disregard play action, work across Trey Hopkins face and immediately start chasing Joe Burrow, which is an incredible play from Kenny Clark. There's a a seam route behind it and the Packers are just sitting on everything, right? So the one high safety on that side of the field drives on the crosser and nobody carries the tight end deep. And so for example, that's one where he's open. There's another play where Tyler Boyd comes wide open on a corner route and Burrow never really looks at him. He's looking underneath the whole way. So I do wonder a little bit, about how Joe Burrow's doing with some of these concepts as well, if he's identifying where some of these deep shots might be at times. But let's go to the next kind of conversation around this, which is the wide zone new to the Bengals, obviously. They wanted to be a shotgun team. Jim Turner coaching them to run a lot of inside zone, a lot of downhill stuff out of the shotgun last year. You and Deontay talked about on the Too High podcast that um, they're, the Bengals are running all of their duo out of shotgun uh when they do run do and i think that you probably saw a little bit of a different run game plan with samaj ap getting a lot more carries against the packers last week but generally speaking with the bengals wanting to be more wide zone but clearly keeping in a lot of this empty stuff are these things that actually work together or the bengals essentially trying to run two offenses and and they're just trying to fit them together
2: Well, I mean, this is always the the concern. But I I think, you know, when you look at the Rams and the way they've been able to kind of combine these two things, let's say in the the Jared Goff era, like, it's... You can do it. Like, I don't have a problem with you trying to do this if you want to be at this type of drop-back passing team but also want to run uh, under center-wide zone. I don't think that's really a problem. I just think, like... I mean, we might talk about empty in a second. I just think their empty game is very limited. So it's like, yeah, I, I think... And I also just think, in general, you have to be able to kind of be two offenses. We talked about that on on my podcast recently with the Cowboys. The Cowboys can be both a twelve personnel team with the two big tight ends they have, but they can also be an eleven personnel spread. The so you can do that, just like the problem. The Bengals not like good at either thing. Yeah, and and so is
0: that simply that they aren't getting great play out of center right guard. Is that really the, the, if you're boiling it down to some simple facets, is is that holding them back that much?
2: I see. I I mean like, yeah, sure. Obviously you'd want better play out of, out of those two positions and just the offensive line in general. Like that's for sure. But I also think like, you know, one of the issues is Burrow being who he is. And I think just like what, you know, what, what empty came out, the, the Saints ran a ton of empty like the Bengals do. All weak side option, weak side option, weak side option, weak side option. The Bengals did that a ton. thing is, Breeze is always going to, if you make one mistake, Breeze was always going to hit you, and he's always going to hit you super accurately. Burrow is super accurate. He's not Breeze yet. Like, that's not, you know, you carried away. So when I watch, like, other teams, and, I, you know, you don't really want to compare him to, like, Stafford, the Rams, but like the Rams, empty stuff. They can move the ball down field, and they certainly feel like they can protect even with five, which I don't think the Bengals feel like they can do. So they can control the whole field from empty, whereas you know the the, the Bengals feel like they can only control the first ten yards on the field out of empty, and that seems a bit of a problem.
3: And yeah, I, I'll maybe. say the next
2: thing is you know LSU ran empty all the time in 2019. I think, or empty protection, whatever, you know, even if the running back was in the backfield, you know, and this is one thing I wrote in the article and I hope it doesn't, I hope this doesn't last, but, you know, Burrow is not being able to escape these these pressures, whether it's an unblocked rusher or or someone just beating a, a guard or a tackle like he did in 2019. So you're hoping that that, you know, maybe it's a knee injury, maybe it's this, maybe it's that. Um, You're hoping that he can start doing that again and becoming this type of player again. Um, If not, I think getting into stuff that's a little more scheme heavy and team kind of work a bit more for Burrow, I think is is probably the best game plan
0: yeah and obviously, we won't know if this is lingering knee stuff or or what it is, probably until next year. Yeah. you mentioned on your podcast that you saw Joe Burrow coming out as a transcendent quarterback. You no longer feel that way. Is that really does it come down to the scrambling and the mobility, or are there other parts of his game that aren't progressing the way you you thought they would?
2: Uh, I thought the arm was probably a little bit than it is, but we said i think I think there still could be the thing about these like when I talk about like transcendent quarterbacks, he still might be become this unbelievable processor and just right receiver accurately all the time. Because like I said, the accuracy is so good that you still want to want to think that's what's going to happen. The problem is especially at a, in the NFL now you're starting as a rookie. You look at all the, all these other guys, they have the ability outside of structure and Burrow obviously hasn't proven that yet in the NFL. And obviously, like we said, could be the knee injury this year and who knows but you know you look at kyler you look at josh allen all these guys can just create plays that burrow is not able to do right now and that's what's taking all those guys to the next level because burrow and and all those guys burrow might be a more burrow's definitely a more accurate passer than a lot of these guys he's more bros more accurate than patrick mahomes that 100 the problem is mahomes mahomes happens to be a savant from inside the pocket And he's also just mixed these unbelievable plays from outside of structure. Same as Josh Allen, same as Kyler Murray, same as whoever's young, really good young quarterbacks. And Burrow hasn't been able to do that, obviously, for whatever reason. So that concerns me early in his career. If he can survive it, then we'll see. You know, if he can survive it without having to scramble around and make those plays out of structure, and he can just be like, all right, I know what's going on before you guys do uh, in structure. I know you're moving here and i'm gonna throw here yeah you're moving here i'm gonna throw if you could get to that point which obviously takes a few years to get there as an nfl quarterback then yeah i think you'll see that that same transcendent quarterback that i think i saw at uh, lsu
0: yeah and we'll see if the mobility comes back as well because i agree with you one of the things that seemed to make him so special was his running ability and not only that but the ability to extend plays and you still see that he's trying to do it yes it just
2: hasn't that's, that's necessarily the clicked. thing that yeah sorry to cut you off. that's the thing that's He's definitely trying to beat that quarterback. It's just like he's taking sacks now. He's yep. not being able to get well,
0: he out did of His grass.
2: Yeah, exactly. That's where I'm like a, a little – that's where the, the concern is. So that's why I keep saying like, hey, okay, fine. He's not that quarterback. Whereas with Kyler Murray and Josh Allen, you can go spread, spread, spread and just let the quarterback be free. And maybe that's not Joe Burrow right now. So, hey, okay, fine. That's fine. Let's put him into more scheme-heavy stuff. Let's build him up back um, into the quarterback we think he is, and then we can slowly start to spread out again more and more and more when we believe he's he can handle that um, from process and you know throwing the ball perspective.
0: Yeah, and what you and Deontay talked about on the Too High podcast, at least what I heard, what some of my takeaways were, is like get back to more of the condensed formations, like you yeah. saw from the Rams a couple of years ago. Motion into empty was a really funny point that you guys made. They're just lining up in empty and like normal splits and saying, "Okay, go win." Uh, last question, Seth, before I let you go. Besides some of those things, like you know, motion into empty, use a condensed splits, take advantage of spacing and and do the things that Sean McVay is so good at. Yeah. Is is something that could help just you know just keep the running back in, just keep a tight end in line kind of thing and, and just have the have the option there to chip, even if they want to go gun heavy, wanna go empty, is is that something that could help?
2: Well, this is what I always say about the 2019 LSU team is that everyone wants to think of them as a super spread team with all these receivers on the field. But one of the things that made them 2019 LSU, they were able to put, Th- you know, they had Thad Moss on the field as a tight end. You know, you had Clyde in the backfield. What made them real was that they could keep those two in, seven-man protection, and hit these deep shots down the field to to any one of these big-time receivers so that are all playing in the NFL. So, like, I would love of that because I know they want to be empty, whether it's empty formation or empty protection. It's just like it, it's play after play that is hard. it's a lot on the quarterbacks shoulders so you'd like to see um, you'd like to see them take some load off of him like that.
0: It's, it's difficult for Bengals fans, I'll say, because on the one hand, you want to make life easier for the offense in general. On the other hand, you're looking at the Bengals running the ball three straight times and then kicking a 49-yard field goal <laughs> and missing it in overtime, and everyone's screaming, well, hey, let, let Joe try to win the game, right? And so uh, a, a balancing act, to be sure, for the Bengals yeah. and Zach Taylor's offense. But, I mean... I think a lot of the the core skills are still there, right? And the accuracy is something that he can hang his hat on. Still a very good processor for, what, 15, 16 games into his NFL career now. So a lot to be hopeful for and hopefully some easy fixes coming with a relatively easy com- co- competition this week compared to the Packers anyway In the Detroit Lions on the road. Seth, thanks for your time and input. Really appreciate it. Appreciate it, dude. Coming up next, James Rapina and Matt Derry break down everything going on with the Lions and Pene Sewell. How's he doing for Detroit? Of course, football's been back for five weeks now. You know that. Everybody knows that. BetOnline remains the best spot for you to bet on all of your pro and college football betting action this season. With an updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests than before, BetOnline has everything you need to bet on anything football. Go over to the website right now. When you sign up, you get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use promo code On. From football to basketball and boxing, mixed martial arts, don't wait to take advantage of all of the special offers available for the 2021 season at BetOnline.ag. BetOnline, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports.
1: Let's keep things rolling on this crossover Thursday here on Locked On Bengals, Locked On Lions as we take a, a closer look at the the Detroit Lions. And Matt Derry from Locked On Lions is here. And Matt, let's uh, let's look at this team because I see zero and five, and I think a <laughs> lot of people probably see that and just say, "Oh, well, this team's bad." But then I look at the scores and. Including the Green Bay game where the score looks lopsided, but it, it wasn't in the first half and the Lions had the lead. And I'm like, I don't think the Lions are a pushover. Is is that the case? Is that fair?
3: No, James, uh, and great to talk to you. I, I don't think it's it's unfair at all. Uh this football team does scratch and claw. They have um, you know, they've kind of taken the identity of their head coach. And I know all of the jokes and every locked on host I've ever done a crossover with. This year with Peter Bukowski leading the way, our buddy in Green Bay, uh, you know, loves talking about biting kneecaps. But let's be honest, they are playing for this guy. This roster is garbage. It's terrible. And yet, with the losses of Frank Ragnow, their best offensive player, Romeo Quara, their best defensive player, rotating through kickers, uh, Jared Goff as their quarterback. They're in every game. They should have beaten the Ravens and they should have won last week on the road in Minnesota. Uh, you know, to get beat by a 60-plus-yard field goal, 66-yard field goal, and a 54-yard field goal at the Horn, some of that's bad luck. Now, they're not good, but they're playing hard. So, yes, uh, do they have a chance Sunday? I, I think so. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that Burrow and Chase and company are going to go off and the Lions are going to get blown out, but it's very difficult to win in this league, as you know, and you've covered this Bengals team in the last couple of years. It's not been easy. Uh, not a pushover, though, no. But they'll 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 battle again this weekend. They just don't have a lot of material.
1: Yeah, let, let's talk about some of that material and and start with offense because I think people just tend to to like offense more. Uh, you mentioned Jared Goff. How is he, especially with really no weapons? Because right now there there aren't many uh, aren't many weapons for him to throw to. Who's he going to throw to this week with all the injuries?
3: Well, first and foremost, his number one weapon is T.J. Hawkinson, who's a Pro Bowl tight end. The problem is, is that after week one, teams now have said, we are not going to let number 88 get behind us or beat us. So he's been double, triple teamed, leaving the receivers on the outside to have to make plays and to get fast releases off the line of scrimmage, and they just don't do it. There's no Jamar Chase on this Lions team. Uh, they're trying their best. They've got some you know, decent guys in Amon Ross St. Brown or or Kalief Raymond Quintez Cephas was coming on but he's not uh you know he's, he's 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 struggled a little bit uh and now is out for the year with a broken collarbone so that's that's really hurting this team they they they're struggling to find any kind of receiving help swift and williams out of the backfield can catch it goff you asked how he's been look at the numbers not very good the the the, the uh the fumbles are ridiculous and it's a problem it's a big problem
1: Okay, let's – well, I want to switch gears to defense. But before I do that, the biggest offseason debate, it feels like in the history of Bengals football took place from uh, maybe mid-December through the draft and I think is still going on despite Jamar Chase's hot start. It was what the Bengals do with the fifth pick. Do they take Jamar Chase? Do they go with the offensive tackle? Penn Asoul, it wasn't really Slater. It wasn't in the mix as much as uh, I think he might be today, given how he's played. But let's focus on Sewell. As he, has he delivered as the seventh overall pick? What do you like? What's concerning? I know he's a little bit dinged up as well.
3: Um, you know, ha- has he delivered? Um, I like him. Um, you know, I know that there were a lot of Bengal fans that wanted him to protect Burrow uh, and not take the the, the sexy receiver. Uh, has he had as good a year as Jamar has had? No. Uh, he was the right tackle and slated to be the right tackle. He had a lousy preseason at right tackle because he had moved from left tackle at Oregon. And then all of a sudden, Taylor Decker gets hurt before the first game. And it's, oh, we're moving Sewell over to left tackle. And in week one against the Niners, he handled Nick Bosa. He was great. So everybody's like, oh, my God, Uh, left tackle for the next 10 years, trade Taylor Decker. We don't need Decker anymore. Well, Taylor Decker's a pretty darn good left tackle. This week, Sewell, I believe, is going to be moving back to the right side, which I think is the right move because mm-hmm. over the last couple of weeks, uh, Panay has not played very well. You're right about the ankle, a little bit uh, gimpy this past weekend, and he had trouble with uh, 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 with Daniel Hunter and with Everson Griffin. So I think he's going to be pretty good, but PFF doesn't grade him out very well. But, again, it's very early, and he's the youngest starting tackle in the NFL.
1: Yeah, that, that's the thing. I was talking to someone today, and he's still twenty. I mean, the guy just turned just turned twenty one. Oh, okay. So he yeah. can get a beer after games. Okay, so <laughs> just turned twenty one. There, 21. there yeah. we go. Okay. Yeah, it's uh, th- that part's crazy, and that that was part of it for for me with the Bengals. I was like, you're really going to put all of your hopes of protecting Burrow on this one guy? I was like, that's crazy, tough to do. And I don't think there's as much pressure on him in Detroit. it's probably a better landing spot where he can develop, learn from Taylor Decker and become that the player that everyone hopes he becomes.
3: I agree. And I think the offensive line went healthy when they had Frank Rag. Now he's out for the year when they had Taylor Decker, he's missed the first five games. Uh, Jonah Jackson, Halapulavati Vitae uh, and 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 Sewell was pretty good. Um, they've held up. Okay. Despite all these injuries, Evan Brown now has moved into the center spot. The guy that got off the street, basically in the summer, he's the new backup center. Now he's going to be the starting center the rest of the year. Uh, But it's been tough. I mean, when you don't have a lot of uh, a barren roster that was uh, left for you from the previous general manager and Bob Quinn, who did a lousy job. Uh, It's going to be tough in year one and year two. But all the injuries have not helped either.
1: Let's uh, switch gears. Let's talk about the defense. Who should this Bengals offense be worried about? Because so far, and I'll talk with you about this, uh, the Bengals offense has struggled, I think. I think they've underperformed a bit, which means they're almost right for the picking a little bit for uh, this Detroit defense. Are there any threats on that side?
3: Um, threats? I, I, I'll say this. Last week, the Lions kept get, taking the Vikings out of what they wanted to do, and it was like three and out city, and you're like, "What? wait, what is going on? Like the Lions defense is keeping them in the game, but they really did. Tracy Walker, the free say of the strong safety had a huge game and played very well. Alex Anzalone picks off a pass. He's been improving at inside linebacker. Charles Harris is coming around the, the edge and getting the job done. So you're mixing a little bit of some of Quinn's guys with guys off the street. Charles Harris was, you know, uh, dispatched from the Falcons. Uh, Alex Anzalone was not re-signed by the saints. So he knew Dan Campbell from new Orleans. So. You know, their best, like I said, their best defensive player was Romeo Quara. He's out for the year. Uh, Trey Flowers is their highest paid defensive la- 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 player. But off the edge, he's not a he's not a 10-sack-a-year guy for a guy making $18 million a year, but another PFF guy that they love who grades out very well every week. There isn't this stud that you're concerned about. Like I said, Walker played well. The secondary really battled last week. Justin Jefferson did go for seven and over 100 yards, but didn't score a touchdown. Um. So the defense, with the scheme of what Aaron Glenn is doing, is working and better than we thought. The problem has been those last two possessions, the one in ball against Baltimore, where the Lions rushed three, dropped eight. They got into Tucker range, and he hit it. And then last week, Cousins, three throws, rushed three, drop eight, and uh, they got into range for Greg Joseph. Those were killers, just killers.
1: Okay, so if, if the Lions do get their first win on Sunday, what are a couple things that – you think are, are must do's for them to beat the Bengals at home?
3: Well, I mean, the MVP of the team for the second straight year is the punter, Jack Fox. If Jack Fox can flip the field, he's unbelievable. So a big leg, maybe a muffed punt inside the 10, maybe something downed inside where the lions can push the Bengals back a bit and make them go 95 yards, flipping the field. is going to be, I mean, it's something that has worked for the lions, at least to keep them in games. Uh, the running game, I know the Bengals run defense, surprisingly, is is has been good. Now, last week I watched the Packer game and Green Bay ran all over you guys. So if Williams and Swift continue to get touches and the line continues and gets Decker back, moving bodies. This is the best running game the Lions have had since Barry Sanders retired. That's a long time. So running the football, flipping the field, and I think the Lions have a chance. That's going to do it for today's episode
1: of Locked on Bengals. Up tomorrow, our official preview of Sunday's match in the Motor City. Can the Bengals get past the Lions and get to 4-2 and two for the first time since 2018? Jake and I will break it down. Keys to victory plus my prediction. Can I get to 500? I'm 2-3 and three on the year. We'll see if I can do that. We'll do that on Friday show. Make sure you hit subscribe and follow the podcast wherever you get your podcast. We are free. Make us your first listen each and every day, Bengals fans. And until next time, thank you so much for
0: listening to the Locked On Bengals Podcast.